Hello, I'm Eric Chabro of GovInfoSecurity.com and the Information Security Media Group. I'm speaking with Heather West, a policy analyst at the Center for Democracy and Technology, a not-for-profit advocacy group that seeks practical solutions to enhance free expression and privacy in communications technologies, including the Internet. Ms. West authored a just-released report for the Center entitled Issues for Responsible User-Centric Identity. The federal government recently announced it's piloting three programs employing user-centric identity at the Center for Information Technology, the National Institutes of Health, and the Department of Health and Human Services. Welcome, Heather. Thank you. Thanks for having me. What is a user-centric identity management system, and how does it differ from conventional ways to identify individuals? Most of us are fairly familiar with offline identity. It's things like handing over your driver's license to show that you are, in fact, permitted to drive or permitted to buy something at a store. That's me saying, I'm Heather West. I can drive. The state told me so. But online, it's a lot harder to make that kind of an assertion around your identity. And typically, it ends up being something like, I'm Mickey Mouse 33. You know me. But those identity systems are very rarely as protective of privacy and of user information as they could be. We tend to prefer user-centric identity systems. They're user-centric in that the user is at the center of the interaction and chooses where the information is sent and what information is used to identify them. It's also sometimes called user-directed identity. So for instance, if I go to a website, say NIH.gov in one of these pilots, and they ask me to sign in, I can choose an identity provider that I already have an existing relationship with who already knows who I am and ask them to go ahead and tell NIH who I am or simply that, you know, I've been there before and I have a certain set of preferences. What is or who is an identity provider? They're the people that handle my information in this case. They have a certain identity on my behalf. That identity is really just some set of information, whether it's my name or my email address or simply my favorite bookmarks or what state I live in or who I work for. All are very useful claims about myself when I can insert them to a website in some authenticatable way. And so that identity provider manages that information for me so that I don't have to go prove to each website who I am, what I do, where I live, that kind of thing. And what are the advantage of this way of authenticating users? There's a lot of advantages for everyone involved, really. I, as a user, don't have to create new usernames and passwords for every website I go to. For example, if I wanted to go to a website online that I knew I was only going to go to once, it's not worth setting up a profile for myself to say, you know, here's my name. Here's my address. Say it's for I'm ordering something online and they need to know my shipping address. Everyone's familiar with you know going through all of these online forms. Instead, I could ask my identity provider to provide that information to the site if I trust my identity provider and I trust that site. So it's easier for the user. It's also going to be easier for the sites that accept that authentication because they don't have to develop their own in-house authentication systems and, and safeguard my data. Do such identity providers exist already? Or? Oh, yes. Believe it or not, millions and millions of people have these identities from identity providers, people like PayPal or or Google or Facebook or LiveJournal. It's only a small, small fraction of those people that are actually using those identities across the web, though. Are you saying that PayPal, Google, Facebook are off? Are are these identity providers or are they using? They're all identity providers. So currently, they're all implementing some set of standards, and there's a few out there for identity providers, whether it's OpenID or InfoCard or the Kintera. For example, there's a lot of websites that let me sign in using my Facebook account. And that's useful for Facebook because they then 
can, you know, publish stories to my profile if I ask them to. And it's another data point for them as well. These identity providers will be services that already offer some other kind of service. This would be something ancillary to their business? Typically, yes. The existing identity providers and the ones that have signed on for this uh, set of government pilots are ones that users already have relationships with. It won't be creating a new identity unless you want to. Are there standards out there? There are standards. As I mentioned, there's a few kind of protocols around this OpenID information card are the ones that I'm most familiar with, but they're certainly not the only ones out there. And so they set a set of standards and, and for how sites interact with each other. And they're fairly open-ended. The user and the site have a lot of choices around how they implement that. What gives you pause about the current system of user-centric identity management? Because of the way that the government is implementing these pilots, there's a lot of evolution going on in how these identity providers and, and how they re- are, are operating and how the relationships are managed. We're concerned about the you know, privacy and security implications of using one identity provider to interact with websites all over the web, and we want to make sure that the user is empowered to use their information, to control their information, to make this a boon for privacy. You said you were concerned about one provider doing this. Can you clarify what you mean? It's not that there's one provider so much as it is likely that every user will choose one provider and that provider will manage relationships all over the web. The traditional web model, a website, had information about your interactions with that website only. But if I use one of these identity providers to manage my relationship with government websites, that identity provider will know every government website that I go to because I have to authenticate through them or I choose to authenticate through them. And that has privacy ramifications. Now, there's a lot of really good answers to this and about how to implement this very responsibly, but we're watching the policies evolve now. Should the government regulate user-centric identity management systems, and if that regulation should just be limited to what is done to its own sites, or should some regulation be broader? One of the problems with regulating this kind of interaction is that the technology changes so quickly. For example, there is one kind of identity or authentication called PKI, and the standards for that were regulated, but there's no way for that regulation to then evolve and change as quickly as the authentication technologies. We think that avoiding regulation and legislation is important if all of these players can play together responsibly. So far, does the evidence suggest they are? I think that they're all trying hard to develop responsible policies and safeguards as they move into this, this you know, huge market in, in, in the U.S. government. They're going to discover that not acting responsibly will lose the trust of the consumers, and really that's their most important asset. So simply the marketplace will help regulate this. That is our hope. It is our hope that it doesn't take some massive information breach to to help consumers realize that this is important. You had mentioned earlier a little concern about these businesses that offer to manage the identities, knowing where citizens go within government. Why is that any more of a concern in a sense of knowing where they're going within the commercial world and what can be done if that is a problem to prevent that? Users have a heightened expectation of privacy when they interact with the government online. The federal government has a history of privacy protective regulations online that keep them from collecting data about the people who frequent their websites. And there's no reason that these new technologies should change that expectation of privacy. So it's very important that they build privacy into the final tools. Well, Heather, I thank you very much. Thank you. I've been speaking with Heather West, a policy analyst at the Center for Democracy and Technology.
for GovInfoSecurity.com and the Information Security Media Group. I'm Eric Chabro. Thanks for listening.